0: What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smarkout Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango, and joining me as always is Callum Wiggins. Good afternoon. Good uh, morning. Uh, it is 9.30 my time. Been up since 2 in the morning. Uh, I got a whole two and a half hours of sleep. It's a little bit more than sometimes I get, so I'm actually quite quite awake right now. And... You are very much more awake since it's a complete change from normal when it comes to you.
1: Yeah, it's um, the American fans have to suffer through what we usually have to suffer through, which is getting up for ridiculous hour in the morning and like finishing it a ridiculous hour in the morning. <laughs> Whereas I get to just sit through the entire afternoon. So that 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 was a a fun change of pace.
0: How did it like feel to you to not be watching it at the normal time though? Like, did it seem like something was off?
1: Um. I wouldn't say it felt like something was off. It felt like something had been vastly improved. <laughs> so like, oh my god, I actually managed to just get like, like eight hours sleep or whatever and then just wake up and it was on. So, it's like, it's, yeah, it's it's a um, it's it's something that I hope they at least consider doing for more shows of just going to different countries and putting it on in times where I can where it's more favourable for me to watch it. I mean, I know it would suck for you and most people that watch WWE, but fuck it. <laughs> we should, we, they're found in other countries as well so we should get um some favorable times as well
0: see this is why i'm just saying you merge countries and you get rid of time zones and everybody just lives on the same time zone <laughs> No, just kidding um uh, yeah i don't know i mean for a one-off i'm okay with it and i will have to admit though like part of me misses how movies used to be midnight releases because they used to not technically be able to release something until 1201 and those premieres kind of just like fell by the wayside and now you know something's supposed to debut on a friday and i see all the movies on thursday night at seven o'clock and it just doesn't feel the same so for some part some of the reason this is actually kind of fun that it was up at like uh five in the mornings when it gets started especially since it didn't last an extra hour or so but uh i don't know if i'd want to do this on a regular basis
1: i <laughs> know oh, every once in a while it's fine you can have your own i mean it's it's an american promotion you can have it at your times more often than not but once in a while i think it's fun like this
0: so if you haven't figured it out yet what we're talking about here is the super showdown event i forgot to mention that at the beginning of this uh just went down uh you know a little bit ago and we we're going to break down the card what happened what transpired what we thought about what everything was and all the other kind of stuff that we're going to review here and we don't have to do a pre-show yay no like pointless hour of that that was awesome very happy to see that you know yeah the- wwe's pre-shows are pretty much pointless and when they don't have like a decent match on it like at wrestlemania or something like that There's really no point in sitting there for the full hour, but I always have to because if something happens, I need to know the context for it. And it's usually just like the first hour of any pay-per-view, sometimes even the first two hours. It's just kind of like by the end of it, I'm like, can we just fucking move on? Like I'm already
1: annoyed. We jumped straight into it with Pyro. We had Pyro. Yeah, because it's a show that's not in America, so they can just do what they want. It's just a case of like these are the shows that are important to them now because they're getting paid the most for these ones.
0: And part of me doesn't fault them for it. I mean, I wrote up the thing about how they're lazy cash grabs, but it's true. It's just yeah. like, they do kind of make this lazy, and if I were in their shoes, I wouldn't exactly do this the way that they did it, but at the same time, I can see why they would say, like, well, if the writers are a little bit burned out, then how about they they take it easy, and they do rematches and stuff like that. I still would rather them just go, I don't know, how about we spend like 10 more minutes and figure something else out? But they probably got a lot of money to do this, and there were 70,000 people there. I think it said that it could seat 100, right?
1: Uh, I believe so. It's. I mean, it's a cricket ground. So in, Aust- in Australia, cricket is one of the top sports. So it wouldn't surprise me that it could fit 100,000 people in it. But then if you
0: look at the ticket prices, no wonder they weren't able to do that. No. It was something like, I don't know, like the fourth level or something like that. The tickets were like $200 a piece. I don't remember the exact specifications behind it, but it was something where it was like, to get like a floor seat, you were paying like $1,500 or something. And it's like, all right, you've got fucking Asuka and Naomi in a tag team match here. Give give me a break. You know what I mean? Like,
1: it's because they can get away with it when they go to other countries. Again, it's just the case of like supply and demand. If you're in America and you can see WWE pretty much every week, not every week, but they're going to be coming to your town probably two or three times a year, there's a lot less supply and demand than a country that hasn't actually seen a show of this magnitude for 16 years.
0: Yeah, and thats it's both good and it's bad, because the bad thing is that means that they can phone it in. The good thing is the crowd doesn't care. They were into it. And that's yeah. that's very refreshing to see, because that helped quite a bit. If this crowd would have been, like, as down on this as I was heading into this, and they nice. hit 70,000 people just going like, oh my god, I've already seen this, it would have been a fucking mess.
1: Yeah. This is probably one of the easiest crowds all of these people have probably ever worked in front of.
0: hmm And I hope WWE doesn't look at that and goes, see, we're doing everything perfect. You know, like, that kind of, like... Stick your fingers in your ears and don't pay any attention to the criticism. But then, as soon as somebody starts praising you, then take them out and go, "Yep, I'm hearing a lot of great things." You know, like that. I hope that's not the case. Uh, but when it comes to like the matches on the card itself, and if you're viewing it in a bubble and different things like that, I got to admit, overall, I was pretty happy with what this was.
1: Yeah, I thought it was an entertaining show overall. There are a few bits and pieces that obviously we'll get into that I wasn't so happy with, but on the whole, it was a a better show than I anticipated going into it.
0: was better than Hell Cell. So.
1: Oh, definitely. I would. <laughs> I think any assumptions that this was going to be like one of the worst shows of the year has definitely been blown out of the yeah equation. This definitely wasn't either backlash, the Greatest Royal Rumble, or any of the other stuff that was just bad compared to this.
0: Yeah, and I honestly thought that when we would be recording this right now, that I would be like, number one, exhausted from just being like flat out normal tired, like sleep tired, but then also exhausted from being like, my God, this sucked and whatever like that. And, you know, I got some praise I gotta to rain down on there. And we might as well start off with the opening, which was the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, the New Day defending and retaining the titles against the bar, which we had all kind of had this same assumption ahead of time where it was like, you know what? It'll be a good match, but it's not going to mean anything. And it was a good match that didn't really mean anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, this this as it was the first match, I, I kind of like went into it thinking this would set the tone for the entire night because obviously the opener is the best spot to be in, pretty much besides the main event because the crowd is really excited; they're ready to get going, see some action. And then I saw this match and thought, oh, it's a, it's a it was an okay match, but it felt like a house show match.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for the most part, this pay-per-view felt like a house show still. I mean, I would still, as much as I do want to praise some different things that happened on there, I still want to make it known this was a house show with a title change, and that was, for the oh, most yeah, part, I, what it was.
1: I don't think it's like it should be considered like an overly negative assessment to be considered a house show, because I've been to both, like in the UK, both television recordings and house show recordings, and the house show recordings are far more fun. Because yeah, they let loose a little bit
0: more. Yeah, there's the a cosplay. certain level of just like, you don't, you know exactly what's going to happen when it comes to who's going to win the matches, but you don't know what's going to happen along the way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like when they advertise, like, uh, I don't know, like, Roman Reigns is going to defend the title against Dolph Ziggler. It's like, yeah, I wonder who's winning the fucking match. It's going to be Roman Reigns. There's no, not going to be some random title change. Every rare once in a while, they have a title change just to make you go, huh, wow, I didn't see that happening. But you know, 108 times out of 100 somehow, they end up doing the standard stuff. So yeah, the fun part of the Hal shows is when they goof off. everything and it's Mm -hmm. been a long long time since i've been to a house show it's been uh well let's put it this way i'm pretty sure the last house show that i was in i slapped the hand of brian pillman wow so (laughs) it's been that long since i've gone to a house show
1: it wasn't like an open casket funeral was it or something like that
0: That well it was a casket match now that's Uh, a horrible (laughs) joke (laughs) No, that's so that was I don't know, whenever he was a baby face, I guess. When the hell was he a babyface?
1: Like in WCW?
0: No, it was WWF, I know that, because 'Cause I've never been to a WCW show. And I never uh, will.
1: Hmm. I guess it I guess it probably would have been ninety five or something, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Wow. Jeez, it's been that long. Um Yeah, that's that's
0: kinda of crazy now that I'm thinking about that. But uh New Day in the Bar, they are the uh, two of the best tag teams essentially as far as just in-ring quality. So, it was pretty obvious that they weren't going to have a garbage match or something like that and I'm glad that they kind of did this and got it out of the way a little bit cuz I think if this would have happened a little bit later on in the show, it would have made it seem lesser.
1: Yeah, it was just like a good standard tag team match, good finish with the um the backstab into the double foot stomp. So, yeah, have the New Day win. Just keep on the championship a little more, build a little bit of intrigue into who's the next challenger gonna be. We can talk about just because obviously this match didn't really have a huge amount of consequence about it, we can talk about the fact that there was only the raw commentary team on the show.
0: So oh, only, yeah, that's only, right.
1: It was only Corey Graves, Michael Cohen, and Renee Young. Uh yeah, it's like well at least that means that there's only three annoying voices that we have to deal with rather than five, but you know, it's <laughs> it it was it was okay. They're just, they're just the three people behind the desk. You, I try not to pay much attention to them anymore.
0: Yeah, you no, know, I didn't even didn't even make that a assumption in my brain. Like for no reason, Byron Saxton didn't just like pop up or Tom Phillips or something like that.
1: Because they're probably the least like important ones, the ones you probably forget about. If you had some sort of quiz about, oh, who's all the um, announcers in WWE? You'd probably say, oh, Corey Gross, He's on both shows. and and Cole's been there a long time, and Renee Young's like the new like female ones and then there's two other there's the the mini Michael Cole and the black guy. And that's kind of <laughs> that's kinda what you get essentially.
0: Nah, I gotta say, uh as much as I think that he's actually not all that bad, Vic Joseph, he's the most forgettable.
1: Oh yeah, but who's I mean, 205 Live did actually have a match on there, so he probably should have appeared. Like, one time, 205 Live actually gets a bit of spotlight, <laughs> and neither him nor Nigel McGuinness is around to see it.
0: Yeah, they're just going to be on uh, 205 Live's taping on Tuesday night, which will air, of course, on Wednesday, because it's 205 taped. Uh, they're going to be <laughs> like, yeah, it was great seeing that great thing happen and all that. I wish I was there. i like, you know, just going kinda... to... Mm. And Nigel will be like oh, I'm so excited, I'm acting like Guns McMahon I'm a- I
1: hate Although they should have a few more views from Australia at least On, this, on the next show I
0: would hope so at the very least mm. uh, Let's see, our second match was the Smackdown Women's Championship between Becky Lynch, who retains the title against Charlotte Flair, but She does it in a loss by disqualification Because fuck you, they're doing this again And here's where Things get a little bit even more just, like, frustrating. We kind of called this. hmm And that's already bothersome. You know, it's annoying when you look at a pay-per-view and you go, okay, so they're building up to a thing that's going to be nothing but building up to something else. It's kind of like... Uh, have you seen the Lord of the Rings movies? Yes, I have. So I didn't know anything about the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, I'm not a big like, sword and sandal fantasy type guy. I hate, like, to me if you're like, it's a dwarf and it's an elf, and I'm like and it, it's stupid, like, it's just I I don't really get into that kind of stuff. But, on a whim, I decided to watch Fellowship of the Ring. By the end of the movie I'm sitting there going, this is actually better than I thought it was going to be. I'm actually kind of digging this. And then it ends, and it ends with like, hey so, uh We just kind of survived a little bit. Spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it. Uh, Like, we kind of survived, like, a pretty decent attack. And, oof, man, it's a good thing only one of us died. And then it was like, okay, well, how are they going to get to the other thing? And, like, you know, progress this even further and stuff. And then it's just kind of like, you'll find out in part two. And I was like, huh. Okay. So then by the time I got to part two, and I'm watching that in the, the theaters, and I'm like, Hey, fuck you. This feels like this is a waste in a lot of ways. Like we're introducing all these characters and I don't think that they're going to amount to anything and all that. And I was like, I left part two, uh, the two towers feeling annoyed. And then by the time the third one, I can't remember the name of Return of the King. By the time that came around, I was just kind of like, oh shit, this would have been better if this would have just been cut like half of the last movie and maybe like a third of this one and just made one bigger second movie. And I'm sort of feeling that way about Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. They had their match at SummerSlam. They had their match at Hell in a Cell. They had their match here, and the match here is completely and utterly inconsequential. It didn't need to happen.
1: That, that is true. Uh, as someone who like absolutely adores all the Lord of the Rings movies, I'd have to disagree with the fact that you need to have that sort of depth in it. But the sense of, I. Really, really enjoyed this match. It was one of my favourites of the entire night. I think watching it, it felt like there wasn't a real... I know this stupid bullshit about shades of grey and all this stuff, but it was kind of interesting to not have a very clear heel-or-face dynamic going into it, because it felt like just two women who hate each other just beating the shit out of each other, which I really enjoy seeing, because I like watching wrestling when it seems like the two people actually want to hurt each other. And actually, well, obviously don't hurt each other like a, a Brie Bella attack or anything on those <laughs> lines, but, but they actually look like they want to beat each other up. And that's what I felt like here. But obviously the the ending is the point of controversy, which is the fact that clearly they are painting Becky Lynch as the heel character because she uses the title belt to get out of the uh, submission, because otherwise she probably would have tapped out and lost the title. And so she escapes with the championship, uh, Charlotte Flair has right to a rematch, which is going to be taking place on the next episode of SmackDown Live. And, yeah, I mean, it is just an extension of it. Like like i like saying, this would be like how house show finished to this sort of show, other than the fact that they had Becky Lynch beat her up afterwards, whereas if it was a genuine house show, they probably would have had Charlotte Flair stand toward at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind extending it because I'm enjoying the matches. So... If if it was just a case of like a feud I, I I don't really know how to describe it like a feud where it was just two people having the same match over and over again and it just wasn't getting any sort of real progression over it, then I would just say, Yeah, this I, I don't need to see the same match over and over again. But because Lynch has been such a compelling character, I'm enjoying this feud continuing and I'm hoping that she comes out of the other side of it still with the championship.
0: My issue with it is, well, one of my issues, I've got multiple, is that even though the match itself was fine, I do get a little bit tired of seeing the same match every once in a while, and I feel like there wasn't anything that happened here that I'm going to remember. And I actually don't even remember any highlights of it at all. So it's already kind of just been merged in my brain as like, okay, well, if I'm looking at their whole feud, I remember... Becky attacking Charlotte after Summerslam, and I remember Becky winning the title at Hell in a Cell, and I'll remember that Super Showdown was a waste, and then I'll remember whatever's happening next. Like it kind of just all gets a little bit muddled and stuff. And
1: good. I was gonna say I can agree that I didn't I didn't really think of too many standout highlights from the match in terms of things that I'll probably remember going forward, other than the fact that like I remember this um this great transition that. Becky Lynch did from AM headers into a like Fujiwara armbar, which I thought was pretty good. But it was more about just like the general feel and tone of the match that I enjoyed rather than just like specific moments going on about it. So I'm going to remember this match being good, and I'll probably go back and watch it. But I won't remember like someone says, "Oh, what's your favourite moment?" I just say, um, "Well, they punched each other a lot, and that was fun." Let's
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, see, like that too, though. Like I could I wish I could like have just kind of the. Maybe I'll go back and rewatch watch this if I wanted to kind of a thing. But th- when they do this again on SmackDown, it's going to be like, ah, oh, here we go again with it. And then we're going to have some kind of schmaz and we're going to get some kind of bu- like bullshit thing that'll drag this out even more. And then the next thing you know, they're going to have another fight segment on the week afterward. And then the week after that, they're going to have a promo and it's going to be a, a contract signing or something again. And then it's going to be like, By having to watch the episodes of Raw and SmackDown and stuff, it makes me to, when we get to the point, I don't care anymore at the pay-per-view. And I just kind of want it to to move past, because it's like, the pay-per-view is almost like a roadblock that it's like, oh, we got over that wall, thank God we could go to something else,
1: kind of. I think that's an understandable point of view to take, because eventually it is going to get to the point where if they keep having this match and this rivalry going for longer... Then it will be. I think it's probably, it seems to have hit that point for you. It hasn't quite hit for me yet. And I'm, it depends on your perspective of whether you think this is stretched on like far too long or you feel like they're running in place. And yeah. I think there's multiple different perspectives you can take on it. So I'm, I'm currently in the situation where I kind of just want to see them fight more. But... I think I'd be
0: more like that if WWE wasn't so adamantly trying to convince me to think a certain way.
1: Oh yeah, with the Lynch heel situation. But it's, I think it's 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 so weird that I don't want to give them too much credit because they're WWE and so they don't put they don't seem to put a huge amount of effort into everything that they should be doing. But it's almost like they're making Lynch more and more heel to get her more and more over. They've kind of seen the, I don't know, seen the right and the wall thing. Okay, so the more we make Becky a quote unquote heel, the more the crowd get into her. Because it, if they tried to book Becky like a babyface and made her the actual babyface of the feud, Becky's stock would go down because they can't book baby faces. And they've never been able to book babyface well, not for a very, very long time. They've booked a convincingly good babyface. Probably since Daniel Bryan. And even that they did it by essentially being him under the authority for as long as they possibly did.
0: Yeah, they didn't really more so book Daniel Bryan. They more so just, like, had to accept it. Yeah, and you eventually know?
1: they might have to do that for Lynch as well, but they're doing what they did with... I don't know, again, it's hard to make a comparison, but like what they did with Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is Stone Cold Steve Austin was the heel in basically every feud that he was in on a... Like, if you're just looking at it objectively, he was the bad guy. He was the one that was taking kind of all the corners and just beating people up for the heck of it. And... That's what they're doing with Becky in the sense that she wins by whatever means necessary. She does whatever she wants to stay on top. But because the crowd are behind her and they, they think that this is justified because she was kept like down for as long as possible, they're going to keep cheering her. Whereas Charlotte is becoming more and more the female equivalent of what Roman Reigns is on Raw. Mm-hmm. So that's Which, why I'm kind of hoping that they don't just go like... I don't know, like,
0: repeat, 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 and try to cram something down our throats, and then just go like, Haha, see, Charlotte won at Evolution, and you guys yeah. should all, like, be so happy about it, and why are you still booing? Like, I yeah, don't- That that's gonna annoy the crap out of me.
1: Yeah, that would be the, the worst possible ending of Charlotte coming out on top, and- Becky essentially falling back to where she used to be just as a heel, Mm -hmm. a a heel that the crowd is still kind of behind. And Charlotte gets pushed forward because that will just lead to the crowd resenting Charlotte.
0: Yep, even more so than they do now.
1: Yeah, and I I think there's still enough time for Charlotte to get out of this. Still was kind of a baby face because I don't think they dislike Charlotte. they just more like Becky a lot more. Whereas if you get to the point where Charlotte ends up beating Becky for the title, then you do get to the point of okay, we're done with charlotte being on top now, why can't we just get somebody else that we want on top now?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, when you're comparing certain foods or something like that, if you have something that you kind of like, you know, it's good. If you have an option of something better, the other thing doesn't look as good anymore. You know, If you give somebody a hamburger, they're like, all right, cool, I like hamburgers. You put a filet mignon next to it, it's like, well, which type of beef do you want? That suddenly the hamburger's like, I don't want a fucking hamburger. Yet you're still going to go to Wendy's, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's just kind of, you know, that's uh, the equivalent. Charlotte is Wendy's. <laughs> and,
1: uh, <laughs> it seems like Becky would fit in more at Wendy's, the red hair and stuff.
0: Maybe. Man, I want some Wendy's now. Oh, man. I actually want some Chick-fil-A. That's even better. It is Saturday. I can actually get it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on to John Cena and Bobby Lashley against Kevin Owens and Elias, which I thought was one of the most underwhelming
1: segments of the night.
0: This is er, my morning. Yeah.
1: This was my like low point for the entire show. Uh, the so you see the transformation of John Cena into The Rock, into a shitty version of The Rock, should I say, has been like such an amazing thing of irony for this like last few years. Just this guy who for years, would talk about how The Rock left for Hollywood, doesn't actually care about WWE, and then he would just come back for a big payday or whatever and stuff like that. And now that's just what Cena is now. Although he just doesn't get as good movies as The Rock, so he damn it, and he lives in China. Yeah, what's up with all that now? What? just like what? Oh, I ain't coming back. I'm I'm staying in China forever or something. <laughs> Which is like, obviously he looks completely different now. I just imagine they just, like, inflated Mark Wahlberg and brought him out instead of John Cena. Well, you know,
0: I I was thinking, I was, you know, he first comes out and I was just like, yeah, this is weird. Like, this hair is, I'm not used to it, you know. I don't think it looks bad on him necessarily, but I'm just not used to it. And then, I forget who it was, but somebody put out there, they were like, since when was JBL booked for this match? And I was like, oh, fuck. He does kind of look a little bit like JBL with that hair. Yeah, something about, like, the part in it or something, like... Mm. I would say
1: he's a lot more rips than JBL ever was. Well, that's that's true. (laughs)
0: But he's like a JBL, Mark Wahlberg mixture, kind of. Yeah,
1: He looks a lot thinner. Yeah, he does. Like, I could see the distance between his, like, the bottom of his head and his shoulders. Whereas (laughs) it used to just be, like, he almost had no neck, because his shoulders were just, like massive
0: and i'm curious why that's the case like if he just kind of cut down on not like doing like i I don't know anything about like fitness and stuff like that so it's like did he not do the same workout that he did before He just doing something to get a little bit leaner like he's doing more cardio type stuff where is it that he maybe he wasn't doing as many like uh enhancement type things like you know oh i don't have a whole container of protein powder every day or, like, you know, whatever the case may be, like.
1: Well, maybe he was, like, he was one of the guys in WWE that was allowed to take certain supplements that others weren't. Possibly. Not not, not accusing him of anything, but, you know, there must be some reason why. Maybe it's just a change in, like, regime and, like, he's concentrating on different parts of his body when he's, like, exercising now. Yeah, I
0: don't know, whatever it is, he still looks fine. It's just a matter of, like, it was kind of a jarring, like, wow, okay, that's. That's well, what Cena say, looks like now.
1: Well, I say what doesn't look fine, which is, well, Bobby Lashley's baby face run, which is terrible. <laughs> and I, also, I maintain
0: also, he should have turned heel, not Braun Strowman. It's like, it looks more and more and more like that to me every single day.
1: This match was such a chore to sit through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, this, like, Bobby Lashley runs wild for a while, this is like... Yeah, he's beating up both guys at the same time. Nobody's really that excited about it because really they much more pr- prefer uh, Elias and Owens. Even, like I think they tried to do the same thing that they did on Raw by having a go at somebody from the Melbourne area. I can't actually tell because I didn't know what they were talking about. But then the crowd just started cheering. And so like, I think that backfired on them. And then they, they get the heat on Lashley, which feels like an eternity, just like constant... Uh, rest holds and just a few slams. It felt like they were trying to take as few bumps as possible until Lashley did some sort of spill to the outside and thought, oh, maybe they are taking it a little bit seriously. And there's the hot tag Cena, and then there's six moves, and then it's over.
0: Right, and he spent a little bit of time building up this idea that he was going to debut this brand-new finisher, and what is it? The Lightning Fist, which is... I like I didn't even know that it was called the lightning fist. I had to find that out on fucking Twitter because it looked okay. to me like it was a wrist to like the cheek or like a really weird chop or something like that. It's just this I mean, I don't even like it when people do punching finishers to begin with. Like I think that the I think that let's put it this way, when the big show does a knockout punch, I buy it. He's fucking huge. When Lacey Evans does the women's right, I go, oh, that's a funny pun, but why is that her finisher? A punch to the face? Why doesn't she just punch everybody to the face as soon as the match starts? And how come all the other punches to the face don't matter as much, you know? At least when somebody's doing, like, a rolling elbow or something like that, it's like, all right, it's a momentum type thing. If it's just a punch, fucking punch Kevin Owens and pin him. Fucking punch Elias right off the bat and just pin him. That's it, you know, like...
1: He pretty much did.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so but he it's in like there for like
1: thirty that's... seconds, and then
0: he—it's still just like so lame, you know.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. It's just it's it's again it's the house show move because it's the move that he debuted in the China show. Because he's apparently it's something that he picked up from Jackie Chan, say like a lightning fist move based on the type of like martial art that he was working on with Jackie Chan. So there's at least a backstory to it, but it's still, like, awful, and it makes Elias look crappy for being beaten by one, like, it doesn't even look like a punch to the face, it looks like he's just, like you say, he's, like, tapped him with the side of his wrist, Mm -hmm. and Elias gone down. It doesn't even look good.
0: No. There's no, like, momentum behind it, there's no, like, build-up, it's just, like, I don't know, if somebody were to just, like, flick him on the nose, or something like that, it's just kind of.
1: Yeah. And then if it wasn't bad enough, like we already had to sit through this sheet match, which like didn't actually accomplish anything and just made like it was just boring. And Cena comes in and just does his shtick and then immediately gets the pin. And then we had to sit through him on the microphone saying WWE is my home and I love performing in front of all of you. The more and more he says it, the more it just feels empty. I mean, say what you will about when The Rock came back and stuff like that, at least he put on matches. Like, this guy just comes back and he knows that all he needs to do is these six moves and so he just does these six moves.
0: Well, they even had the call to refer to it as the sixth move of Doom.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but it's like I know he likes to have fun and like this is just like a fun house show that you just like do. You don't take it as ser- super seriously as you would do a WrestleMania or something along those lines. But still, put a bit of effort in. Like, you got, like, Triple H and The Undertaker are going on, like, last. They put on a 30-minute-long match, or effort. So he's in the ring for less than a minute. Like, why doesn't he, I don't know, just retire?
0: <laughs> or if you only are going to pop up here and there, make sure when you do pop up, it's something that you've got a little bit more substance behind it.
1: Yeah, just don't turn up because it's Australia and you feel like, oh, this would be a... It just feels like oh, I'm turning up for the big paydays now. I'll probably be in Saudi Arabia in, in on November second, and then I'll turn back up for Royal Rumble, WrestleMania time because that's the time when all the people are showing up. It, yeah, he it just he's here for the good times now, which I guess he's kind of earned by being the top dog for as long as he is. So I don't want to like devalue him too much, but it just it, he's just a part timer now, so. And he's taken away spots from people on the... Well, he used to be the guy that would turn against the part-timers by saying, okay, I'm always going to be with WWE. I'm always going to be like, the guy around here. And other people may come and go, but I'll always be here. And now he's not that guy, so it makes it feel even more disingenuous than with, with The Rock or Stone Cold or these other people that turn up every now and again.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, like I would have not thought all that much negative uh, about that. If he would have had something interesting to, to bring to the table or if it would have been like Cena wrestled the most of the match and Bobby Lashley got like a, the hot tag kind of a thing or something like that. But nope, it was just pretty much like, all right, hot tag to Cena. He does this, you know, Hey, remember this? I do that. And also I've got a punch now. And then thanks for having me. <laughs> it's like huh okay well now we're firmly into the territory of oh uh, yeah that's right it is a fucking glorified hell show
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then we followed that up with the iconics against asuka and naomi and then i was like oh god damn it i've like i even practically forgot that this match was gonna don't, happen
1: don't you mean the empress and the glow
0: Oh, is that even what they call them? I just...
1: Yeah, that's what Michael Costello They call themselves The Empress and The Glow, which is kind of the thing I said, okay, all the writers in WWE should get their pay cut immediately at that point. If you can't come up with anything better than that, you definitely shouldn't be working for any sort of television company.
0: The Empress of Tomorrow Glow. <laughs> it's not even fucking hard. It's stupid, but it's at least something. Yeah. took me two seconds WWE god damn it I didn't even know that the empress and the glow was a thing and you immediately after you saying that it was like oh you've got a word tomorrow it's like practically you can throw glow in there at the end that's what I mean with like the writers on there I'm sure that there's a lot of things that the writing team does that is like impeccably frustrating to deal with and like Vince is changing his mind and like they gotta travel and all this other kind of stuff that's like you know, I, I don't think that they get enough credit. But at the same time, when their job is to be creative and to do that kind of stuff, it's like, you didn't put any effort into that, did you? The Empress and the Glow, that's like... Oh, the team of Asuka and Naomi, they call themselves Naomi and Asuka. <laughs> like, uh,
1: I, I would say, though, just going on to the actual match itself, I had twice as much fun in this match than I did in the... um. The previous one because at least this didn't overstay its welcome and we got to see the Iconics like do their their shtick involving like getting scared of stuff happening their like bad mouthing of the opponents in the ring we got to see Naomi and Asuka dance around a bit and stuff like that so it felt this felt like a fun house show match as opposed to the previous one which felt like a ponderous oh my god get on with it house show match
0: to be perfectly honest, I don't remember a single thing that happened out of this. That's I didn't even fair. remember that they did the whole, like, uh, being afraid of things. I, this is what the match equates to in my brain. Iconics came out, said, hey, it's great to be in Australia. And then Asuka and Naomi came out, they danced a little bit, and then the next thing I know, the Iconics won, and I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, there's a few
1: little bits of pieces, like I um, remember, like, there was a part where uh, Naomi did the splits off of a, um, like, Billy K trying to pull it down. And so she just, like, because Naomi can do the splits, obviously, she did, didn't feel any effect by it. And so that, did the same thing to Billy K, and Billy K can't do the splits. So she just lands awkwardly. And so it's pretty funny. Uh, Asuka, do, Asuka's, obviously, she's nowhere near as important as she felt like this time last year. But she's now into this cute quirky i'm just doing this for fun type mode which also which has its own charm to it and then you had the um the billy Kay and uh uh payne royce iconic pose which is then pretending to essentially be superheroes and it was like literally the wrestling was secondary to just any of the like little fun elements they were throwing into this and then eventually you get the uh I don't know what their finishing move is, the Iconics, but I don't think they use it very often.
0: Which <laughs> yeah, it's probably
1: win. which is probably the sense of they don't actually have to use it very often because they usually don't win matches. So they did it, and I looked in for wow, that took a while to set up, and it didn't look very good. So maybe you should find something else.
0: I totally don't even remember what the move was. It I was... mean, even even in my notes, I say. Uh, that I'm going to forget about this in five minutes and I (laughs) must've.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it definitely wasn't a match that would live long in the memory, but I think the finisher was some sort of, so Billy Kay gets her up facing towards her. So she's kind of got Naomi wrapped around her, but Naomi's facing forwards and then Peyton Royce comes in with a running knee. I just looked at him thought, wow, that, like, that took a while for you to try and get Naomi into that position. And then when she was there, you just did a running knee, which you probably could have just done if you just had Billy Kay holding her down and have her running with the knee. <laughs> probably would have looked a lot more effective rather than just this. It, it felt far too convoluted for something that's supposed to finish the match. Hmm. And well, what's essentially just a running knee to the face. <laughs> and, yeah, I think it was just, it was good to see them winning Australia. It was. It, it was. I was surprised that they didn't do the promo that I was expecting of them, just shitting on the crowd and then trying to turn them heel. Very they, surprised about that. Yeah, but they decided to let them be from Australia. Just say it's great to be here, and then have them win the match. Like it doesn't do anything for Asuka because it's just a match that people just forget about anyway. So it's just a case of like, Asuka's now in a position where she's just another person on the roster. So you, we kind of just have to get used to that at this point. And so yeah, it's just a a fun win for a homegrown team.
0: Now I do still kind of think that looking at the roster, Asuka's the only one that makes any sense to me that could beat Becky for the title. Um, like I I kind of can't see like Naomi winning the title going into WrestleMania again or something like that. Like, yeah,
1: you know? I have I have uh, I I don't know so so far going into it because. There's many different things that could happen, but like I'm, I'm kind of on the boat of thinking that eventually Charlotte's going to move, but win the Royal Rumble and instead challenge Rousey for the title at WrestleMania. that has got in my mind at the moment, but for the SmackDown side of things, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave the title to Lana. Huh. Just because she's been, like, getting a lot more attention with the Rusev Seven Aiden English feud, and so... They'll have they'll sort out that feud, and then Lana will start to build herself up as like a popular baby face. She'll start winning a few matches against like the iconics and stuff, and then she'll be the one that gets a sneak win over Becky Lynch, and everyone will hate it because it's Lana winning the championship (laughs) over Becky Lynch. They could have someone call up soon as well. Out of the people in NXT, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know what it depends whether you want to run. After this feud with Charlotte is over, want to run with Becky Lynch as the an anti-hero babyface, or you want to continue to persist that she's a heel? Because if you want to persist her as like an anti-hero badass babyface, Shayna Baszler makes all the sense in the world to come up.
0: Yeah, and then if they go with like, well, she's the heel.
1: I mean, there really isn't a whole lot of options. I guess yeah. If, if you wanted to call up Candice LeRae early or something like that, then maybe, but. I'd say you probably would at that point go with, yeah, go with Asuka or Naomi, they probably make the most sense. I
0: don't know. You got a feeling that SmackDown's uh, women's side at WrestleMania is going to be underwhelming. But
1: we'll, yeah, we'll it's see. De- it's definitely not going to be the main event slot. That they they could
0: act- You know what they could do? They could give it to Nikki. Nikki? Bella? Mm-hmm.
1: I guess they could. She's not technically part of even Raw or SmackDown, so she can go in between. If you said yeah. Nikki Cross, I would have been well into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, they might they might just go ahead and give it to Nikki Bella just to be like, well, you know what? We'll have her do that, and then wouldn't that be interesting? If she... mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. But one thing that, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to see when it comes to WrestleMania is Samoa Joe holding the WWE Championship, which I was really hoping at some point we would have been able to do, because I thought... Samoa Joe versus Braun Strowman could have been a really cool feud for WrestleMania. Samoa Joe versus John Cena could have been a really good match. Samoa Joe versus Daniel Bryan. Oh, it seems like he's never winning that fucking title. Uh, the good thing about this, though, is at least the match between he and AJ Styles was good. It was one of the better matches of the night, I think.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a great match. Um, the first thing I have to point out is. There's not a single Raw Championship being defended on the show, and you put the WWE Championship match in the middle of the card. Like, why do we? Why should we care about this being a World Championship anymore? They don't care about it being a World Championship. When is the last time the WWE Championship ever headlined a pay per view? Probably mm. back at to the top. Pro- it was the it was the last ever SmackDown only pay per view. Yeah, probably. And ever since then, it's either been the Universal Championship. Or whatever Roman's matches, or whatever Lesnar's matches, or whatever um, part-time what's come back for one not only to get a big payday—it's those matches—and then WWE is never even like next down the card; it's always like mired in the middle somewhere.
0: We had the Intercontinental ch- uh, Championship headline over the WWE
1: title. Yeah, it's just like yeah, we get it. You don't think SmackDown's an important show, but in this opportunity at the very least if you're not defending the universal championship just put it like near the top i know you're always going to go with triple h undertaker's last match but surely this match could be the but one or the one just before that why do you have to put, why are you, you putting this match on before the number one contendership match for this title <laughs> doesn't like surely this is has a bit more importance than the person who's going to be fighting for the title next has and obviously we'll get into that travesty later but and then the match itself, obviously, is a great match because these two are great together and it felt very physical. The no-disqualification element of it, I think, it played a certain role in it. Obviously, they used steel chair a few times, but other than that, they didn't really go too much into it. Used a table as well, I guess, as well. Uh, playing off like an injury to Samoa Joe's leg was a smart way of having AJ start to show a bit more of a vicious side to him. And be able to take a after Samoa Joe dominated the first half of the match, and then it leads into the Calf Crusher and Samoa Joe taps out. I, I think it was it it was it was definitely one of the best matches of the entire show. But obviously AJ Styles is still the champion, and I don't I don't know if I entirely agree. I definitely see why people would believe that this probably means that Samoa Joe is never holding the WWE Championship. I'm still just of the mindset that they just don't want AJ Styles to lose the championship until the video games initial sales go, go out. Yeah, yeah, but at that point though, Joe's not going to win it after that, you know. I think he'll be I think he could be fine for it at WrestleMania. If Daniel Bryan's a champion by that point. And if not, then he definitely would be like he definitely be a challenger at some point in the next year, I think. It, 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 it was just bad timing for him in the fact that, okay, AJ Styles is the cover star of the video game and he's held the championship for quite a while and we might want to have him hold it for a year or so. So it was just poor timing on Joe's part. I, I'm still of the mindset that I think they're giving the title to Randy Orton before the either by the end of this year or early next year. It's got to be Orton or The Miz. Yeah, it'll be those two. I don't think right. they'll have the title changed to Daniel Bryan. Um, we'll Spoilers for later on, but I don't think they'll give Daniel Bryan the title at, uh, crown jewel.
0: You know, why don't we skip ahead? Because, fuck okay, it, why not? Uh, Second to last match of the night was the number one contenders match. It was Daniel Bryan versus The Miz, and it was a grand total of, I think it was like two minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. Just completely sunk all like the energy. Uh, they did a quick roll up and the crowd was like, Wait, what? And it wasn't like, Whoa, I didn't see that happening. It was just kind of like, Did that just fucking end? Like, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So I didn't like that. That that annoyed the shit out of me.
1: Yeah. I mean, at that point in the show, I think it would, the third hour, the fourth hour just started. thought, so, Okay, so you're going to give this one a decent amount of time and then you'll have a longish Triple H Undertaker match and then that's the end of the show. And then this one goes on about three minutes later. Fucking hell! You need to give like f- 45, 50 minutes to the Undertaker and <laughs> Triple H. It's like you couldn't let this. W- I, I thought this match was going to go quite short initially because they seem to just be going into their big moves immediately, with Miz doing like the running knees and stuff like that, and getting and getting some near falls early on. So th- okay, so you're going through your your big moves quite early on here. So are we going to just going to have a, like a hot start, then just a bit of a uh i don't know, a standard middle part and then builds up to the finish and no they decided to just go to the finish immediately which is daniel bryan rolling the miz up and like you say the crowd was just silent for a, a while because they thought okay that can't actually have ended it oh my god it actually ended it and then they started cheering because obviously daniel bryan won so at least they had the foresight to have the baby face win and right. like if it had been the miz winning and it had only gone two and a half minutes just go oh fuck this
0: now, I don't 100% hate this because at least I can make the argument well, if I keep criticizing the fact that they keep doing things over and over and over and over again, and then I feel like I've already seen it, well, at least they got this out of the way and I don't have to watch a full match again if they do another match in the future. But at the same, uh, in the same regard, I look at this and I go, okay, AJ Styles retains. This means that Daniel Bryan's probably going wit- to beat, uh, beat the Miz. And then when it happens, then it becomes, okay, well, clearly The Miz is going to interfere at Crown Jewel. You'd the only question that. is whether Randy Orton interferes too.
1: I mean, it's there's there's a lot of different routes they could take with it. Obviously, there's the, you actually have the match at Crown Jewel between AJ Styles and Danny Bryan, which a lot of people will be looking forward to, even though the likelihood is, especially based on the reign that AJ Styles has had, that there's going to be some sort of interference by either the Miz or Randy Orton or Samoa Joe. There could be loads of different options there. It could lead to some sort of fatal four way match or multi man match, a survivor series for the championship if they want to go down that r- route. If it's not going to be Raw versus SmackDown like it has been the past two years, but yeah, I, I think the likelihood is that that match is going to be interrupted by one of either Samoa Joe, Miz, or Orton, and then that would lead to whoever the actual champion is going to be leading into WrestleMania. Yeah,
0: because we've got Survivor Series right now, I mean, a lot of the rumors and stuff are saying Team Baron Corbin against Team Kurt Angle, which if they do that, then that seems to me like that negates all Raw versus SmackDown SmackDown stuff. Yeah. And it's pretty much like, if they, because they, I mean, It wouldn't make any sense for me to have, like, let's do Team Corbin and Team uh, Angle and incorporate anybody from SmackDown, because why would they bring people over from the other brand? And then if you're not doing that, you kind of can't do, like, all right, we're going to have this Raw team against this Raw team, but then we're also going to do, like, the women is going to be, like, Team Raw against Team SmackDown. It's like, that's going to be weird. So... I got a feeling Survivor Series is going to suck real bad because it's going to be like, let's say Miz interferes against uh, this whole thing with AJ Styles. Miz gets a title match for Survivor Series and Miz wins the title. Or Randy Orton does that and Randy Orton wins the title there. Then we know that we're also going to get a rematch of whatever that happens. We're going to get it again at TLC and probably again at Royal Rumble. Um, meanwhile, if we have like Charlotte Flair against Becky Lynch again or something like that, it's a Robert series. I'm just going to scream. But uh, <laughs> we know that like Crown Jewel is halfway between what Super Showdown was and halfway between like a regular pay per view. I don't imagine that a whole lot of things are going to change all that much, but whoever interferes in this WWE title match, it's a little hard for them to wait past Survivor Series and then have a match at TLC. Mm. So I guess we're not getting champion versus champion. I don't know. It's a Uh, little underwhelming.
1: Yeah. But at the very least, until the interference, the AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan match should be good. And it's it's a it's a dream match in many respects. Obviously, they had a an attempt at a match uh, earlier in the year, which was also interrupted. So at least we have that vision in our minds already. But I thought the WWE Championship match was one of the better matches of the show. Very like like very well put together, great storytelling match between AJ Styles and Smojo, and then. The Miz brian match was what it was. If it had to go short, it went short, and then you have you've given Brian the number one contendership. So there's yeah, positives to this. Yeah, yeah. There's positives to it. It's like I, I would have enjoyed the Miz like Brian match to just go on a little bit longer. But other than that, not really much to complain about. Until thing if how things uh transpire going forward from this.
0: Yeah. I mean, if we look back on this and we go, oh, they would have sh- been better off if they would have just like put the title on Samoa Joe, or if like, you know, this and that and that. There is a possibility we look at this in hindsight and we hate it, but at least as far as this goes, WWE title match was good. Danny Bryan Miz sucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we had the six women tag team match. Ronda Rousey and the Bell Twins defeated the Riot Squad. Major thumbs up here is Brie Bella didn't injure anybody. That's always pretty much it.
1: (laughs) I mean, obviously, Ronda Rousey gets a huge pop coming out, as you'd expect. I think she needs to stop doing the "Oh my God, I'm so I'm so fortunate to be here" face that she has. Like, she comes out and it just looks like, "Oh my God, I'm so lucky to be here." Like, this is such a great experience, such a great. I was like, "Can you just put on like a face like you just want to go to the ring and beat someone up?" Because that's a cool face, and I like it when you put that face on during the match. But going into it, you just look like oh, my God, like, I don't really care what happens. I'm just so happy to be here right now.
0: It's like, yeah, I don't think the uh, the big smile turns into the frowny face. <laughs> like, that whole gimmick, I don't, I'm not a big fan.
1: I, I, I like the, well, yeah, but I I like just her being, well, she's supposed to be the, the baddest woman on the planet, and she's coming in with, like, the biggest smile on her face all the time. But it's, like, it's not like Mike Tyson never came to, like, the ring with, like, just this giant glowing smile on his face, or whatever, all the time. That would have been frightening as hell, though, if you <laughs> Yeah, have. no, he would have, like, just him staring at there with just a big, beaming smile on you. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. It's
0: but like uh, when, when, like, mobsters have, like, uh, cutesy kind of nicknames. It's, like, Frankie, I don't know, like, uh, Lucky Pants, Carosa. And then it's like, oh, that's a really, like, uh, silly kind of name and it's like yeah well he's murdered 30 people and it's just like oh fuck okay well, that's why he can get away with it Like, he's murdered, he's
1: murdered 30 people by tying his pants around their throat
0: and... <laughs> yeah and that's why it's all lucky pants and yeah. instead of being like oh it's you know Jim the, the strangler smith or something like that it's like alright you're trying a little too hard mm. like, if Rhonda had something like that going on it'd be like alright that's kind of cool but instead you could tell that she's just kind of like this is great and then oh fuck I have to work <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, uh, Bell Twins are the Bell Twins. I mean, I they Nikki do their shit. Good. It doesn't matter. They're they, they're in WWE from the Total Divas and stuff. That's like, let's not mince any words here. I th- I thought Nikki looked all right.
1: I I was absolutely shocked when they put Brie and Liv in the same ring together. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I said to like, oh my God, of course they're going to do that because that's what everyone was expecting them not to do. But they did and... The crowd popped huge when Liv Morgan kicked Brie Bella in the face with that like <laughs> running into Gore. It's like, oh my god, yes, that's what you wanted to see. You wanted to see her get a comeuppance in a in a safe way. Obviously, you didn't actually want her to injure Brie Bella. But um, yeah, I did that little spot with Brie grabbing Liv by the tongue, and there was just like a few interesting things. Ronda Rousey is a great hot tag, like she is like, so explosive coming out of the corner and just beating everybody up. You just totally buy it. She's so aggressive with what she does. Um, And then the double-arm boss boss spot at the end. Like, I don't know if that could actually work. So I looked at that and thought, I mean, it looks cool, and it looks like it's hurting them, so it's done its job, but I don't know whether you could actually do that sort of move to, like, anyone legitimately. But if people enjoyed it, then that's all
0: that really matters at the end of the day, is wrestling after all. Yeah, so... like, it was, it was fine enough, but I just don't like the Riot Squad, and I don't think that this mattered. And it was a house show thing again. It's another... You know, if you went there, and it's like... Particularly if you're a little kid, particularly if you're a little girl, if you went to a house show and you saw this, it would be like, oh wow, for my six-year-old self, this is amazing. And for, you know, a thirty plus year old, I uh, thirty plus and some thirty-one. I'm not like, you know, thirty-nine and half dead. Although I am half dead. Uh for a guy like me, it's like Alright. Like yeah. there's nothing to it. Like there's no substance. I don't care, you know.
1: I mean, I was pretty like certain who was gonna actually win it. I think they were at least they were at least subtle in building some tension between Rousey and the Bella twins. In the sense, that like before the match even started, Rousey and Nikki were both all well having some sort of discussion about who should actually start the match because they both wanted to start. And then during the match itself, Brie and Nikki were tagging between themselves and keeping Rousey on the outside. And it was only when Nikki Bella had been knocked off the apron and Rousey was the only person Nikki could tag to that she actually did tag her in. So I think did they didn't
0: do anything afterward, though. No, I was didn't... kind of expecting them to, and they didn't.
1: No, they should have done. It would have been nice to see like the. I would say nice because I don't want to see Rousey versus Nikki Bella anyway. But if they're going to do it, then there's not really much I can do to stop it. So it would have been interesting to do the like them attacking Rousey from behind afterwards and start getting themselves like built up as the the teams take him on, or at least Nikki take her on at Evolution. But they might save that for Raw.
0: Yeah, that's going to happen on Raw. And yeah. I guess the reason why they did that, is, uh, didn't do that, I should say, is because of what happened at the end of the night. Probably was just like, let's just not do that twice. Yeah, that's fair enough. Thankfully, though, after this whole, like, inconsequential type of thing, we had the Cruiserweight Championship match between Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy. Now, I didn't know this ahead of time, but Cedric Alexander lost, actually, they said he hasn't lost in a year. He actually has. And I looked it up, I went on um, Cage Match, and he's lost on house shows, which they don't necessarily count 100%, but he has lost. And he actually technically lost in October of last year or so. I think that that's what I was looking at. Actually, it might be the opposite. It might be November. Uh, I don't know. Whatever the case may be. Um, Going into this, I was expecting Buddy Murphy to win the title. I figured it made a lot of sense if he did, and he deserved it. And I thought this was going to be one of the best matches of the night. Thankfully, they checked off everything. One of the best matches of the night. Buddy Murphy wins the title. Very impressive. For some reason, nobody's going to still watch 205 Live, but they really should. <laughs> and I just, I, I like this uh, start to finish.
1: Yeah, I deco all of that. Uh, I'm so delighted that the most boring title reign in history is finally over, with Cedric Alexander dropping the championship. I thought this match would have meant so much more if it was any other person other than Cedric Alexander holding that title. He's great in the ring and the match was great because they're both fantastic in the ring. Like the stuff with like the top rope Michinoku driver was amazing. Like these transitions into uh like the lumbar check spot where everyone thought oh my god they're actually going to have Alexander retain the championship and Buddy Murphy kicked out it's a great moment. So the match itself is great but Alexander just doesn't feel important even though he's not lost in the entirety of 2018 he doesn't feel important or special or anything like that he just feels like a guy holding the title if it had been mustafa ali or i don't know jack gallagher brian kendrick they all have characters he simply goes on that he's just a good wrestler that's all his character is well mustafa doesn't really have too much of a character well he he's has his like the i guess the he's things, just more he vocal well yeah and obviously the stuff that he talks about obviously working for his uh like door and stuff like that the fact that he's trying to present a good image of himself because a lot of people that have like a muslim heritage are badly treated in america just because of what certain groups of people have done in the past a uh, former police officer as well and stuff like that so he's got that to play off of like alexander obviously has stuff about his family and he works hard and elements like that but and the stuff of the cruiserweight classic but it hasn't just doesn't feel like there's been any progression beyond that point he just feels like, like he's like I say he just feels like generic wrestler holding the championship because he's good in the ring
0: yeah i, which I is, could
1: i could agree with that which is which is fine but it would be fine if TNA Five Live was treated as like okay this is the super serious competition show like it was in the cruiserweight classic but it's been amalgamated into, okay, we're just doing the WWE storytelling stuff a it, so you need to have a character on top of it as well. So you can be a great wrestler, and basically everyone on 205 Live is a great wrestler, but you need to have a character as well. And Alexander's lacking that component, or he's least, in terms of everyone on 205 Live, he's probably got one of the least characters, probably him and Tony Nese, really, that's down the bottom.
0: Mm, I'd probably put, well... Let's put it this way: the Lucha House Party have no characters; they just have masks. Yeah, so but... that's one thing. But at least that, that gives them something where people will be like, "Hey, the mask guys—they're fun. They've got masks."
1: Hmm.
0: Noam Dar doesn't really have much of a character anymore.
1: No, no that, that's true. Tony has I
0: mean, abs—that's it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's there's a few of them, but Murphy definitely is somebody that has, I'd say, some sort of character. He looks so, like, get, I don't want to say like aggressive, but Somebody who is desperate to seize this opportunity, and I like that element of his character. It's somebody who knows that he's can be dominant and knows that this is an opportunity to really stand out and be something that he wants to be. And you don't really get that 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 sense of urgency from too many WWE wrestlers nowadays. I feel like if I don't get it this moment, I might not ever get another chance at it again. Yeah. And obviously, he gets the win after kicking out the Lombard check. Gets into to—is um, it Murphy's Law? That's finish. I think so. It makes
0: yeah. sense. I mean, that's the pun that I would have done.
1: Yeah, and then he wins. The crowd goes absolutely insane for the win. Like you just see the entire audience just get on their feet and start cheering for it. It would have been an absolute travesty if Murphy hadn't have won this match. There would have been no sense. No sense behind it at all. The crowd would have. The crowd could have easily just turned on the entire show based on this result. And so, because did- it's
0: not just like he is somebody who comes from Melbourne and that's it. I mean, this guy has improved himself so much that he changed, he dropped like 20 pounds or 30 pounds or something like that Mm -hmm. to get to the point to go on 205 live, which was not a priority show, but he saw that as an opportunity to get from, I mean, he was the bottom of the barrel in NXT. Yeah. They kept referring to him as like NXT's uh, big secret or whatever like that. And, he wasn't doing anything. He was just popping up on the live events and stuff like that, which doesn't equate to Jack. So for him to go through that and to take this risk and to go on 205 Live and to not just like go on 205 Live and be a guy there, like what Hideo Itami's done, but to just improve himself so much that he's putting on these amazing matches with Mustafa Ali and everybody. The guy deserves it at this point. And this is one of those rare calls where it's like, Okay, WWE doesn't just make weird choices. Sometimes they actually can do the thing that it's like, it might be a little bit predictable, but it's the thing that has to happen.
1: Exactly. Being predictable is not a bad thing if it's the right decision.
0: Right. You know, when you go to see a superhero movie, you kind of expect a superhero to beat the villain at the end. Doesn't mean it's a bad movie.
1: Yeah. Every, and now and again, yeah. Every now and again, you want to do the shock factor of like, it just doesn't happen. And then just like, oh my God, that's i totally didn't see that coming and that's just an edge trip but more often than not you want the thing that you expect to happen to happen because it makes sense
0: yeah i mean sometimes when stacy dies and sometimes you get like wow this person turned heel and i didn't expect that or if you get like try to think of like an example of like never would have seen that happening kind of a thing where like somebody for instance like um Triple H and Sting. They have their match at WrestleMania. And I was kind of going into that going, well, all right, it would make a lot of sense if Sting just wins, and that's the end of it. Did not expect NWO versus DX. And that was like, oh, fuck, this is amazing. This was not something I saw that happen. And then Triple H wins, and it's like, hey, well, I, well that's kind of a shame. But at the same time, hey, they gave us something that I did not see coming, and that's really cool. And it was like a shock for a shock, but it was also a shock for fun. It wasn't a shock for like, haha, we got you. We didn't do the predictable thing. Aren't we so edgy? Which they could have done that here. They could have been like, let's have Buddy Murphy lose and then you know, that way it's like, oh fuck you, WWE, we're gonna boo the hell out of the next uh heel that comes out, or you know, like that kind of weird mentality thankfully somebody thought better of that and they just went yeah we pretty much have to put the belt on buddy murphy right And then i guess everybody else just was like yeah <laughs> like sometimes that cut for is uh straightforward and cut dry just you do it it makes sense you're going to get a couple people that are going to go oh, of course the guy who was in melbourne you know whatever but those people are going to be the ones that still accept it afterward you know
1: yeah don't listen to those people those people don't know what they're talking about just go go with what makes the most sense 90% of the time. Because it turns out people actually like that stuff. And everyone, I've I've seen nothing but a complete and total positive reaction to Buddy Murphy winning the title. Both from the crowd that was there, online reactions. It makes the most sense like just to get a fresh face on 205 Live as well. I think this is a good thing for the entire brand.
0: Me too. So big old thumbs up on that one.
1: And I don't want to like... Just completely devalue what Cedric Alexander did by saying he was like a terrible, boring Titan. Right? He had put on some very good matches, and I think now he doesn't have to have the burden of the championship. He might be able to see some evolution of his character. Hopefully, I hope so.
0: Because I hope that that's not one of those guys where now that he's won the title that they'll look at him as like, all right, well, you did that, so now you're now you're a jobber. Yeah, you've you had to I mean? uh, essentially. Yeah, it's like for that matter, that's like what happened for a while with TJP. And I think TJP is one of the most underrated people in WWE right now. Like that dude is always putting on good matches and he's actually entertaining on the mic and everything like that too. And I don't know. It's just one of those things where sometimes when you lose a title, even though you were a champion already, they still don't value you all that much. Mm-hmm. Luke Harper's an intercontinental champion. He hasn't been able to do anything as a mid-carder on his own. Nope. Just weird. Uh, but we've got the six man tag team match that followed this, which was the shield against the dogs of war, Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. And if you haven't gotten tired of watching these people fight, good news. They're still going to fucking continue this for another couple weeks. Uh, I forget who it was. I think it might've been guest five had left a comment in the live chat on, uh, maniacs where he said that. He hasn't been watching Raw, so this was different and fun. And it's like, well, that's the caveat. If you've been watching Raw, you've seen these people fight over and over and over and over by now. Because it's been two, three, sometimes four segments on each episode of Raw for, what, seven weeks? Something like that, I think. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So at that point, yeah, I don't care anymore. This match doesn't mean anything, and the only thing that could have been meaningful out of this is if Braun Strowman would have pinned Roman Reigns, because then we would have went into Crown Jewel going, well, at least Braun Strowman pinned Roman Reigns, but they can't even do that. Dolph Ziggler takes the pin because he's the one that's the sacrificial lamb. There's no heel turn, which I don't think it would have been a good like decision to do that anyway, but it's still a thing that they could have done, which would have been interesting and they didn't. And this is just a house show match again. And I felt really like disheartened and kind of sad when I was watching this because I came to the realization that I've been watching a lot of like 96, 97, 98 pay-per-views here and there over the past like two months. And this felt like in your house.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. It's the issue with having so many tag team matches on a show in the fact that there's always going to be there was it was getting to the point where you, you've you getting, getting used to so many matches where there's a heat spot where one person is being beaten up constantly and then it just tires out. Essentially, like you're just waiting for the hot tag all the time. And it's fine if you have like two or three tag team matches on a show. If you have basically most of this show being tag team matches, it gets a little bit overwhelming. This match pulled the shit out of me. Uh, I, know I thought it was, it was
0: like, fine. It was just like... it, it was. Too if, if somebody were to say to me, should I watch it, I would say no.
1: Yeah, it it took too long to get where it was going. Like, it was just a sense of... They were beating up Rollins for what it felt like. It felt like hours watching them just beat up Rollins. And having Dolph Ziggler shouting and saying, on, Rollins. Like... Rollins, do something, Rollins. Nobody cares, Rollins. Like, you're looking in the mirror, man. It's like, you're definitely talking to yourself at that point. But, yeah, it was just all building up to Ambrose getting involved. Reigns accidentally punches Ambrose off the apron. They do that spot where it looks like those four are going to attack Rollins and Reigns instead. But then, obviously, Ambrose goes back and continues to fight with the shield.
0: You know, when they do those kind of things... This is where the cynical person in me goes, this is realistic. And Dean Ambrose still has no problem with the shield. He wouldn't have hammed that up. Yeah. (laughs) He would have been like, he would have gone straight into the fucking ring and been like, yeah, these are my friends. I'm not going to just pretend like I'm going to fight them for the hell of it. Like, you know, that's kind of like, I'm not going to be hanging out with my buddies and go like, so fucker. And it's like, wait, what? Are you mad at me? And then just kind of stare at them and then be like, nah, no, 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 I'm just kidding. After like five minutes, it's like, no, like we're all having fun here. We're friends, you know, like it's kind of like.
1: And then we, and we had the thing of like the shield saving out and Bros constantly because Strowman was going to tackle him on the outside, Reigns intercepts him, puts a spear through the barricade, which is the most exciting thing that happened after like 16 minutes of just constant like just standard six man tag stuff. And then McIntyre gets taken out by Rollins and then Ambrose gets hit and and Ziggler gets the pin. I assume it's going to lead to some sort of thing on Raw where Braun Strowman's getting tired of Dolph Ziggler being the weak link. And so McIntyre's almost going to have to choose between does he stick with Dolph Ziggler as tag team champion or does he essentially take him out well, at a time where they lose the championship or something along those lines and Ziggler just essentially gets kicked out of the the thing because he's holding the team back. Or do we? And do we start still still see see seeds like seeds being sown of Ambrose turning on the shield eventually, or is that kind of over? Was it just for this match? There's there's a few elements that can go on about it, but yeah, it was just like you say, this match has been this has been the matchup we've seen for weeks and weeks at this point, and this was I thought for 15 minutes out of the 20 minutes it went on or whatever was really ponderous and boring.
0: Yeah, And I'm just interested at this point at like, what do we get for WrestleMania? And how do we work backwards? Because to me, it's sort of like if we get Batista versus Roman Reigns, or we get The Rock versus Roman Reigns, then the option in my book is Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins go in as tag team champions and lose it to the Authors of Pain. Or do we get Ziggler and McIntyre drop the tag titles to Ambrose and Rollins. And then they drop them to Authors of Pain. And then we have the Shield triple threat at WrestleMania. If that's all the case, at some point, Seth has to drop the Intercontinental title. And who does he drop it to? And I'm only really interested in those questions. I'm not interested in like, well, when is Braun Strowman going to lose next to Roman Reigns? Or... Hey, is Dean Ambrose going to turn? Well, if he is, he's not going to turn for a while, so I don't really care. It's just kind of like, it
1: all falls short. We'll just see what happens at Crown Jewel, because obviously we've got the, get see Roman beat both uh, Brock Lesnar and uh, Braun Strowman, and then we'll just see what happens from there and heading into the series 'cause Series. Because I assume, if we are having the Baron Corbin cut angle one, I assume the Shield is going to be on one side and uh, the Dogs of War is going to be on the other.
0: I really fucking hope not, because it's like, you can't take something and drag it out for, like, five months and not go, like, I'm sick and tired of this. Because then we're going to get, for the next couple of weeks heading up until November 2nd, we're still going to get, like, okay, on this episode, we're going to get Dean Ambrose versus Drew McIntyre and whatever. And it's like, okay, you paired them up already. Like, we don't need to keep doing this anymore. And then if we still get it going into the end of November, then it's just kind of like, all right. Do I have to wait until the Royal Rumble before something happens that I can pay attention to on Raw? You know, I, yeah, I that's hate what you do every
1: year. That's what we do. Well, I hate
0: when like when they drag these things out so much to the point where I start going, "Fuck, give me no way, Jose against Mojo Rawley." I shouldn't be thinking that, <laughs> you know.
1: Like you can watch main event.
0: No, nobody watches main event. I, you know, I actually can't watch main event because I don't know when the fuck it comes on. WWE.com does not tell you. They act like it's not a show. It's not yeah. listed as a show. It's they've a got I had, I had... Raw, SmackDown, Two Hundred Five Live, NXT, Mixed Match Challenge, Evolution, Super Showdown, Crown Jewel. Nothing about oh they've got the main classic too. Nothing about main event.
1: It's a shame because t- Tyler Breeze beat Mojo Rawley on the latest one because it was like in the uh, in uh, Tyler Breeze's hometown. It's like, oh, that's nice. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's like why are you putting these on main event? Why? Like? Could have Tyler Breeze win on his hometown on Raw, and then you wouldn't have to put on another Connor versus member of Gable and Brood. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mess
0: that whole thing.
1: Mm.
0: Well, our main event for the night is something to end off on a positive note because I had you know crapped on this a little bit ahead of time, said that didn't expect it to be all that well. Undertaker has been kind of beaten up, and they ended up doing better than I thought that they would. This ended up being quite a bit of fun. There were parts of it, of course, that it was just kind of like, uh, "That's you're struggling a little bit." But they made it an ODQ, called that one ahead of time. Yeah, congrats on that one.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I know uh, WWE.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something that like they kind of have to do nowadays a little bit. And even though it's a little bit predictable, where it's like, "All right, they're doing this because they're trying to be a little bit more flexible." They need it.
1: Yeah, I, I think. This this match is Nostalgia personified. It was Nostalgia turned up to 10, essentially. You had... It's it's the Cody Road special in the sense that it's all smoke and mirrors. Or it's only smoke and mirrors. But it's like it's just fun. Just a little bit of fun. Like, it's... Like, part of me hates it because it's two 50-year-old men slowly fighting each other with the same old shit that we've seen for the last 20, 30 years or so. It's like, but then if you like that stuff, then it's just fine to see it every now and again. It's not like they they do this every single week or anything like that. It's just a one-off show. But I mean, it's it was 30 minutes long. And I think, God's sake, Triple H just has the longest match on every single show he's ever on. (laughs) (laughs) Like, can't you just like rein it in a little bit? But yeah, it was got to see a good few weapon shots some nice involvement from Kane and Shawn Michaels on the outside as well and the crowd was just into the entire thing because they loved these guys and they were so excited to see them because it's the first time they've been in Australia for a long time and they get to see two absolute legends have a match against each other that they may never ever get to see again so at the end of the day it was just all an amount of fun, a good amount of fun
0: you know what I found uh, funny during this? The uh, of course, like the standard announcement for a match. You've got the following contest is scheduled for one fall, and it is for the WWE Championship or yeah. something like that. And this is the following match is scheduled for one fall, and it is for the last time ever. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's was, like, so, that was so funny. <laughs> I was like, in my brain, I just imagined somebody holding up a belt that said "last time ever."
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was just like, that's so strange. But the fans were chanting, this is awesome, before anything even happened. And to a certain extent, I was really happy about that. Because that meant that, like, all right, well, they're digging it. And for at least the people that are in the crowd, even if the match would have ended up being bad, at least the people in the crowd are getting some fun out of it. And that's a positive thing. Thankfully, the match itself ended up being a lot of fun here and there. And I actually, the part that I liked the best, (laughs) that I thought was the, like, it's not going to be anybody's, like, List of like the standout things that they love about this, but I I really liked Undertaker just belting Mike Chioda for oh, no that reason. Was so much fun. I fun. actually laughed out loud at that. I was just like, "What the hell?" He's just kind of like, uh, "Also, fuck you, Chioda." Yeah.
1: <laughs> Referees took a bit of a beating in this match. So you had that, that, and then movie. you had Kane literally just yanking a referee out onto the floor <laughs> as well. So. Yeah, it was. It was just like you had Kane go through a table, so you had a nice table spot in there. You used the sledgehammer plenty of times. Had like finisher after finisher after finisher. Like Undertaker kicks out of a a pedigree. Triple H kicks out of a tombstone. You have a stomp through a chair onto the neck of the Undertaker. It's like such a like. This is what you'd expect from, him. like, I, I don't know. It feel it feels a lot like WCW, <laughs> this match. In the sense that it was always like Hogan or Flair in the main event in the nineteen like the late like nineteen ninety nine ninety eight whatever or something like that. It's just like, yeah, you guys were having these matches in the eighties and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, this is what we do now. We just do pull out the same old moves, mostly punches and a few of our like finishing spots and stuff like that. And then we get the weapons out because that's all we can do.
0: Yeah, it gives us a little bit of time to do a yeah. spot and then kind of,
1: like, uh, relax a little bit, catch your breath. Yeah, at least... Do w- another w- spot. At least we have the foresight, to so just do this every once in a while, rather than every single pay-per-view, one off to the other. And we'll come back to it in six months' time and just do it all over again.
0: No, we're not coming back to it in six months anymore. We're coming back to it in November 2nd.
1: Oh, yeah, because, obviously, you get the end of uh, switching music on The Undertaker, then Pedigree for Triple H, and then you just have... I mean, it, the match felt like it went on for quite a while because obviously it did go on for quite a while, but felt even longer than it did. But that's just because these guys are pretty slow in their old age now. Um, but yeah, you have Triple H get the victory, then they do the hand-raising stuff at the end. And that was part of me just going okay, so this is like the curtain's gone down and so, oh, we're no longer wrestlers anymore. We're just the actors playing the wrestlers. This is Paul Levesque and Mark Calloway and Michael Hick and, and Glenn Jacobs just saying, thanks for turning up for the show. It's been amazing. But no, then the Undertaker and Kane do show that there's still some like actual wrestling in wrestling and beat up the guys that like beat them and stole the victory, put Michaels through the announce table and... Michaels is not going to take a bump like that unless he's getting back in the ring. So, yeah, I think we're pretty much confirmed there's going to be a tag team match at Crown Jewel.
0: Yeah, and you know what? As much as I was, like, kind of not really so so super into the idea to begin with, I'm, I'm more into it now than I thought that I would be. So, WWE wins on that. Yeah, it'll just be another you know, I'm perfectly time. willing to admit that I'm wrong on certain situations, like... That's one of those things that I think people kind of gloss over is if you if you hate something and you end up liking it, then, hey, that's good. You know, like, I, I'm i glad that I was wrong about this. And if, uh, if I go into Crown Jewel with a little bit more hype and then the DX and Brothers of Destruction match sucks, then I'm going to be more disappointed than if I went in and didn't think that it was going to be good. But I'd rather go into it expecting something a little bit better and be happy along the way and for it to be maybe matches my excitement or comes a little bit short or something like that than to like hate everything and then be right you know
1: (laughs) yeah i mean again it's like I, i feel like such a like shit like i don't know um What's the word for it? Just a hypocrite, essentially, in the sense of I want the new guys, like the current roster to get the spotlight and stuff like that. And then stuff like this happens and it's quite fun and enjoyable. And like, oh, this is why no one else gets over because these guys are the only guys that seemingly can do it. But it's it's just it's okay if it's in a bubble and it doesn't overstay its welcome too much. So yeah, they have this match on this show and yeah, you're going to have it in Saudi Arabia as well and you're probably going to have a build-up for it on Raw for the next couple of weeks as well. But Raw's already long enough as it is anyway so it doesn't really matter if this takes up like 20 minutes a week anyway. But yeah, it will just be... I'll look forward to the match that they have even if it... no, it's going to be just again 450 50-year-old men in... as opposed to 250 50-year-old men in this one <laughs> and then just do again another Smoke and Mirrors show Have a few nice little spots because at least with the tag team one, they get to have a rest on the outside while one of the guys working, and then tag out and then do whatever. And it will be interesting to see what Michaels has in the tank at this point. After After being away for close to a decade at this point.
0: So, I mean, push comes to shove. We mentioned this at the beginning of this. We both are a little bit happier about this than maybe we were kind of anticipating, especially me, I'll have to admit. Mm. And even though I don't think that this is like anywhere close to me being something that I'm going to be like, wow, this is like the you know best pay-per-view of the year or something like that. It's still like, I'm in a better mood right now than I expected. So that's that's still a win, essentially. Although I'm still burnt out on WWE. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, overall, thumbs up show. Enjoyed most of the stuff on there. The stuff that I didn't like was obviously a bit of a shame, but and it, it definitely wouldn't be up in my show of the year category as well. But it'd definitely be in the top half of the shows I've seen from WWE this year. Even if it is a house show, was a glorified house show, and it definitely was a glorified house show. It was the fun version of a glorified house show, I suppose, to uh, like uh, Great Royal Rumble, which was just a bit ponderous to get through really whereas this at least had some excitement surrounding it and it feels like that at least some stuff will lead in going forward to like future matches and had some element of consequence to it
0: yeah i think that if we basically if we would have had this like the positives that came out of this mixed with the positives of Hell in a Cell, and it would have been one pay-per-view, I think it would have been a really good pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: So it's a shame that they
1: keep... Splitting it into more shows.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that kind of thing. And it's a shame that Raw isn't two hours. And (laughs) there's a lot of other things that are like that. But still, I'm going to give it more of a thumbs up than I expected. So, hey, you know, it is what it is. And I want to know what everybody else has to say about this, too. I want to know if you anticipated it to be as good as you thought that it ended up being. If it ended up being worse than you had expected, whatever the case may be, drop your comments below. Tell us what you thought about super showdown 2018. Maybe we'll do another, maybe we'll do like, I'm fucking WWE. Maybe they'll do another, uh, super showdown in the future. Or maybe this is the last one that we get. I don't know. Uh, I kind of hope this isn't a regular thing. I think that that squashes what makes this a little bit special, but Right now we're gonna get Saudi Arabia shows, so maybe this is gonna be a regular thing every year they're gonna come back to Melbourne or something. Mm, who knows? If it comes back to John Cena, uh if it comes back to China, John Cena will be there. We know that. <laughs> anyway, everybody, uh thanks for listening to this. Just get some plugs out of the way before we say goodbye to you. Uh make sure that you hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel and ring the bell for notifications to be aware of the next things that are gonna be coming up. Not too sure exactly what that's going to be. I'm going to be out of town for this next week, so I haven't quite figured out exactly what we're going to do. And uh, warning ahead of time for the audio quality. That's not going to be as good. Um, but hot tags at least are coming up. I'll talk about whatever's going on with that. And then our main event is question marks right now. We'll see. If you have any suggestions, drop them in the comments below as well. Maybe we'll try to get around to something like that and figure out what the best possible strategy is for the most interesting thing. If you want to request something, though, you can hit up the Patreon. And on the $20 tier, I think is what it is, you get to request whatever special feature that you would want. So if you want a main event of like a top rope list and you really, really want us to talk about our favorite such and such with different things, then that's where you're going to be able to kind of uh, play Puppet Master. So keep that in mind. Also, if you want to show, uh, show your support by throwing some spare change our way with the merchandise shops, you could do that on TeePublic and on Redbubble. Just go to smart Out Moment there. Uh, follow smart Moment on Facebook and Twitter at Smarkout Moment. Makes sense. And follow Fanboys Anonymous. I've got some stuff over there that you might be interested in if you fo- uh, were following our whole thing earlier with the Lord of the Rings stuff. That's the geek culture spectrum, so pop on over to that site and do the same kind of stuff over there with the YouTube channel and so on and so forth. Venom uh, Review Point is actually the most recent thing that I've posted, so that's something. And New York Comic Con stuff. You know news when it comes to that stuff as well, but those are my plugs, Callum. Anything you want to toss out there?
1: Well, if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14, and just check out all the weekly stuff on SmackUp Moment. I recently posted the power rankings for this week, so you can see which superstars were at the top of the list. This is pre uh, Super Showdown, so they'll be adjusted next week to accommodate the massively consequential stuff that happened on here. I'll probably drop the Shield or. Dogs have wore down a little bit for what happened, or something along those lines. You, you'll you'll know who's the top guy in WWE, based just entirely on my opinion. <laughs> <Next> week <laughs> but uh, yeah, stay tuned for that and all the other weekly stuff that's going on.
0: I mean, the top guy is obviously Mike Canales right?
1: Oh yeah, that, has to be. Oh yeah, like he got uh, he actually got a picture of a No Way Jose on the main event as well. So I could have done that as well. If I if I'd been so tempted. No throughout
0: the like the justification to be like, he has not lost a, rat- a match on Raw in however long.
1: Yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's like, never lost a match on Raw. He got a victory on Main Event. He's got a 100% record this week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Alrighty, everybody. That's it for us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Whatever the case may be like that. Thank you for all of your support uh, from start to finish and all the other kind of stuff that we got going on. We will see you next time. This has been another Smartout Moment. And we're being counted out.